tired. So tired. Overtired. Hello, everybody out there. I see you. I see you in your kitchen. I see you in your car. I see you walking your dog. I don't really see you. That's the government you're thinking of. Um, this is Jeff Severance Gunsel, and this is the Overtired Podcast, and I'm here with Christina Warren. Hello, Christina. Hello, Jeff. Happy New Year again. How are you? I thank you. I thank you. It is still a happy New Year. See, I celebrate New Year officially on my birthday, which is January 16th. So Yes, which I, I, I knew that this was coming up because I was looking at my um, calendar, and uh, it, it populated in my calendar, and I was like, oh... I got to remember to to wish uh, Jeff happy birthday. Um, so yep. ha- happy, happy birthday early. Thank you. It's a great thing because I have usually completely bailed on my initial idea of resolutions for the year by my birthday. And my birthday allows me a chance to declare that this is really the beginning of the year and uh, and make a, a less, um, I make a, some kind of resolution with less hubris. I like uh, it. Maybe, yeah, something uh, uh, I can keep too. Less, less, less hubris and uh, um, keep keeping things um, uh, more honest, which I think is good because that's. I, I was curious, like I, I gave up on New Year's resolutions, like in my teens, I think mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever really like try to have them, or or is that something that that you like? I, I, I do try to have them, um, but they don't really go anywhere. I just, what I've come to believe is that it's, it's worth it just to have the thoughts about what is it I would like to change and then to just let them go. And maybe it'll, maybe it'll, you know, take care of itself over the course of the year. Totally. My, my, uh, my wife has the most amazing, um, uh, resolutions. One year it was to park better. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Just generally to park closer to the curb. And another year it was to watch national, uh, nationally televised events like a normal American where she watched every single thing from the Golden Globes to the Super Bowl. Oh, hell yeah. Um, and I'm trying to, I always try to take inspiration because I think those are just genius okay. resolutions. See, but I can never find mine. No, see, okay, those are awesome. So I love that actually. And so, because I'm like you, like I, I like to have things that I think about and I have goals. I stopped probably when I was around like 15 or so, like actually writing out like resolutions because I realized I'm not doing a great job keeping these and then it would just make me feel bad. And so I was like, eh. Don't do yeah. things that make you feel bad, but I do still in my mind like, oh, these are my goals for the new year and this and that. And there are things that I that I I have like goals from three years ago, like start a newsletter, and I'm like still working on that. <laughs> um, but uh, I love I love your wife because those seem like things that are actually actionable and that could also have some sort of impact on your life. I mean, I don't know if like watching live events does. Except, like, then, like, you know more about the the water cooler conversations and the topical. Totally, things. you know what I mean. Like, yeah, totally. So, but but those are those seem like low low stakes things. I wonder too. You'd have to ask her about this. I would love to ask her myself, but I would, you you can ask her. Like, do you, or or even based on your observations, the fact that she has kind of these really interesting resolutions. Do you think that that helps her achieve some of her other goals that might be? bigger broader like the fact that she can say my resolution is to park better she does she works on it do you think that helps maybe with follow through on maybe some of the bigger goals she wants to achieve that's a good question i'm not sure i will say that even a um sort of silly uh resolution like i want to park better which is perfectly reasonable i don't, I don't mean silly like it's dumb, no no totally but, 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 but silly. It, it's fun right right we it's, just we, we just mean insofar it, as like it's, it's whimsical right you know um by the end of the year when you realize she's still doing it it's like for me i'm always like man i gotta think of something because at the beginning i thought well that's not enough you know but at, by the end of the year i'm going no that actually feels like a lot no and i was gonna I say been glad to be there well no yeah. well, well this is kind of my, my 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 thought right like is that that is like enough like especially if you because at that point it's no longer even a resolution it's like that has been a behavior change which yes. i think uh is is even better than a resolution because i think a lot of times i and and i'm including myself in this i've viewed resolutions as like things to do and like things mm. to like seeing like okay i need to check this off right like i need to yep. i need to to do this be one and done whereas what she's doing is actually saying i want to change my behavior in a certain yes. way which i think is yes. actually much more important harder and like much 
better, right? Like, I think that's actually a way better way to, of viewing things. Well, and I think, I mean, at least as an observer, like it's, it's absent all the like, because I will be better if I, X, right. right. They're usually not things that like are going to, are going to carry the weight of, will I be a better person? How can I no, be a better totally. person? You know, except, and I love that. Except by being able to successfully change your behavior, you are right. Like, yes. Like yes, it, every it, time you do that, it's data. In it your it brain. is data, and and every time you do that is also, I think, and this is why I'd be curious to know if like it's helped her. Um, and I guess resolutions is probably the wrong word, but I would be curious to know if that has helped her make behavior changes in other ways, right? Because mm-hmm. if you could do it for these things that seem small, right? Yeah, that you can do it and really carry through, right? Like. I, and I failed at this, but I'm going to get back on it. When I had my nails painted for GitHub Universe, I didn't bite my nails for like mm. the entire time that I had those, those, those gel nails on. And, yeah. but, but as soon as it chipped off, I then immediately bit my nails again and it was awful. Mm. And I was really upset with myself, but I was like, okay, well, this is just, I'm going to start getting my nails done and keeping them up. And, um, I just, I, and I'd wanted to actually get them done, um, before it was chipping, uh, but I couldn't find, um, a, a place, uh, close by like soon enough for, for when, you know, it was happening. And then by the time it happened, I was like, all right, I'll just, then I got sick and everything, but, but I'm going to like, this yeah. is actually, okay. So this is one of my behavior changes. I don't think that I will reasonably probably at least for a long time anyway, I don't know if I will ever be able to stop biting my nails. However, mm-hmm. when I had the gel tips, which the, you know, and and I've had painted nails before, but it hadn't really worked this well. Like I really was able to, at least for a month, change my behavior. And I do wonder, mm-hmm. like, this would be a thing like, okay, I might not ever be able to completely prevent myself from like biting my nails. It's a nervous habit. It's something I've been doing literally my entire life. Um, like I, before I bit my nails, I picked my nails. And, um, yeah. and so I, I don't, I don't know if that's ever anything that'll go away, but I do feel like I could, you know, by going every three weeks to get my nails done like that. Yeah. That could be part of it. Right. Because if they're painted, they look a certain way that I'm not. So, um, I like that. I like that rather than my resolution of being, I'm going to bite my nails. Uh, I'm not going to stop biting my nails. Like I'm going to, you know, commit to getting my nails done every so often. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that'll that's, be. That sounds way more fun too. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you handle it, but you also have fun handling it. I mean, that's like, it's also similar to what is the thing that dude who wrote atomic habits his thing about habit stacking, but also his thing about the environment, the, the, your environment that like he, he would say, or he says, there's not like a type of person who's good at holding their resolutions, right? There's a type of person who's good at creating the environment wherein they can hold their um, resolutions. And in a way you're doing that by just making sure you get those nails, <laughs> those nails done. Yeah. And that's, and that's like way more fun. Cause it's not loaded with like, Oh God, I don't I tried to stop biting my nails. It's like, no, I'm not even, Ugh. I'm not even going to attach that. I'm just going to say, okay, I'm going to get my nails done every three weeks. And maybe that will, if I do it long enough, there will be a real behavior change, right? Like maybe right. that would be the real goal. Maybe, maybe at a certain point, if I didn't go every three weeks and, and something chipped, then maybe I would finally be past that point where like, I yeah. wouldn't be doing exactly what yeah, I'm doing yeah, right now, sure. which, which, which listeners uh, can't see, but I'm like literally putting, I'm like looking <laughs> right on the nail. I'm like, Live. I'm like, Ooh, I see a little bit of white. That's because I, I, I bite them to the quick and I'm like, Ooh, yeah. I see a tiny bit of white. I could totally bite this now. Yeah. And yeah. Oh man. You're reminding me. I need to put a pedicure on my birthday list. Ooh. Yeah. I've had two now in the last year and a half. I had never had a pedicure before and I don't know what, toxic masculinity was keeping me from doing that but what an amazing thing i uh, tickles yeah i i I wouldn't mind getting that done just in terms of uh i guess like having like them like like clean stuff up um my toes are terrible my feet in general are terrible which is uh we talked about this because i discovered this because this was a horrific discovery that i did not make that one of my friends (laughs) in informed me about but um uh, I talked about this on a, a edition of the the podcast like, like a year and a half ago. I I'm on WikiFeet. Um, WikiFeet. Yeah, which is exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. And um, it, it's hilarious because like, how my, are you on WikiFeet? Somebody submitted my photos and thinks I'm notable enough. I don't know. 
That's amazing. Somebody went through all my Instagram photos and all of my like oh. Twitter things and submitted photo any photos of my toes. It's bizarre. And that it's is wow. It was very disturbing. I'm not gonna lie. Like yeah. that was one of the most disturbing things I've ever learned. And I was not at all like happy to learn that. But also I was I was a little bit I was amused because my feet are absolutely my worst feature. Like my toes overlap. Like I don't have attractive feet. Like there's mm. nothing attractive about them. Like you know, like if I had longer nails and painted nails, like I, I don't have ugly hands uh, or ugly fingers like that. That's that's fine. But like my feet are not attractive. Um, and uh, so why anybody would want to look at my feet is just. Uh, Wicked yeah. feet. <laughs> oh, my God. That is it's just like what my brain is doing is um, going through the the t- decision patterns of whoever was responsible for that. And then mm-hmm. the action, the workflow itself. Yep. Um, and then the horrible conclusion. One hundred percent. And then it always reminds me of the Great King of the Hill episode, um, where uh, Peggy um, uh, becomes a foot model um, unexpected, like unknowingly, um, starts making <laughs> fetish films um, because of oh her giant God. feet, not realizing that that um, thinking that people like them because they're beautiful, not realizing people get off on them because they're terrible. Um, oh my God! And uh, yeah, um, it's a great episode. Um, wow. Okay. So we've, we've entered a total cultural corner there I, that I had forgotten existed, but yeah, that I, 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 I'd forgotten existed too until you said pedicure, but you should get a pedicure for sure. Treat, treat, <laughs> treat yourself, treat yourself for your birthday, treat yourself. Get, I want to get myself up on wicky feet. Absolutely. See, uh, listeners, uh, if uh, Jeff posts photos of his feet, please submit him. No, don't actually do that because it, it, when you find that out about it's horrifying. Yeah, it's not, um, no, that's it's not at all like, yeah. I'm not just even. saying if, if both the other co-hosts were also on WikiFeet, you know, maybe it takes some of the sting and the weird out. Or right. it adds much more weird. Yep. You be the judge, audience. I agree. All right. Well, good check-in. I'm, I'm going to still put pedicure on my, you definitely on my should. list. Yeah. Um, I haven't found the place I love yet. We'll okay. See. Yeah. No. That, well, that's the thing, too. Okay. So you're going to be looking for pedicure. I'm going to be trying to find um, a good manicurist. I'm probably going to have to get a Bellevue. Um, which is like the bougie, oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. uh, town, like over the, um, over the lake, but bougie, bougie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. I, you know, I, I've had to come to terms with the fact that I'm becoming just like a, a rich Bellevue mom and, and I don't like that because I like to live in the city and whatnot, but there's just a lot of you should stuff. get a minivan. Oh, fuck no. Oh, they're the best. Oh, absolutely not. Under no <laughs> I love, I am long past needing one because my boys are both teenagers and one of them's practically out the door, but I fucking love minivans. <laughs> Thanks for asking. <laughs> okay, let's take a little break to do a podcast swap. This week's swap is with the Mac Observer's Daily Observations podcast. Do you follow Apple News? Do you listen to podcasts? Well, I already know the answer to that one. But there's a podcast all about Apple News that we would like you to check out. It's the Mac Observer's Daily Observations Podcast. And when they say daily, they they mean it for the most part, Monday through Friday. That's reasonable. Each of those days, they hit you with 20 minutes of talk, the most interesting Apple stories. They've been doing it since 2014. Um, And that's like (laughs) they had the announcement of the Apple Watch. Remember the free U2 album nobody wanted? Get that thing off of my computer. Uh, the announcement of Apple TV Plus, the transition to Apple Silicon. I mean, all these things that have happened have been covered by the Mac Observer's Daily Observations podcast. It's ripped from the virtual pages of MacObserver.com. Host Ken Ray brings in Mac Observer staffers and other tech types for quick, informative, and entertaining talk centered on the Apple and related stories of the day. So if you follow Apple News and you listen to podcasts, again, you're already busted on that one. Put this in your ear. The Mac Observer's Daily Observations Podcast online at MacObserver.com or wherever you get podcasts. Well, what do you want to talk about? Uh, so, um, I guess, well, I guess that was kind of our mental health corner, I, I guess. Think that, I love the idea of that standing in for mental health. I, honestly, I do too. I do too. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so on our topic list, you have chat GPT. And this I want to hear about <sighs> yes. because because you've been going, You uh, you said that this is like taken over your life over the last week and mm-hmm. uh and I, I don't want to hear more about it yeah okay so here's what and, and just the footnote is 
this is not one of the existential conversations about chat GPT. Um, I like kind of had that experience in my own head initially and then wanted to kind of start trying it. And, um, and what I've been using it for, uh, for the last week is like tons of coding help basically. Um, and, and so like, here's, here's my deal, my sort of level of literacy when it comes to programming. Um, I have a comfort level with Python. I couldn't just write you a Python script. I mean, that was 10 or 15 lines. I could write you one that was two or three. Um, I have a comfort with bash scripting. I've usually, I mean, I learned that mostly through Stack Overflow um, and borrowing code from people that were, you know, kind enough to, to offer it to me. Um, and I generally know what a computer is capable of doing and how you talk to it right? Like what, what can you ask a computer to do reasonably? Right. I know these things, but I always need help to actually do them. And so until recently that would be, you know, maybe I had a friend like Brett and, you know, Brett and I have worked together on a project. So maybe I'd just be like, I'd call Brett. I'd be like, run the clock. You're on the clock. I want you to help me figure out the last bit of this script. Um, or I don't understand, uh, how this particular function works. It's, I'm just having all this trouble. Um, and Brett would very kindly help me out. Um, if I didn't have Brett, I have stack overflow. Um, but I've always thought of myself as someone who, if I just had someone next to me all the time who could code to my specifications, I could do so much for myself and for my workflow that I cannot otherwise do because I'm too slow or because it's too much of a pain in the ass to search out the answer. And so it is, it is in that sort of context that I turned to chat GPT last week, first with a, with a script I needed, but didn't have. Um, it was very simple. I was actually doing some budgeting and I wanted to be able to quickly throw a number into my terminal and have that number uh, be turned into the total with sales tax. So, you know, looking at some of this 1599, I put it in, comes out and it adds it to my clipboard, the whole bit. Right. And so I wrote this paragraph about what I wanted it to do ends with it, putting uh, the amount onto my clipboard so I can then paste it into, you need a budget. Why now? My, my YNAB software. And it did it in about five minutes. And then I was able to kind of do some finessing, add a few features, kind of do a little bit of yes. Anding a la Brett Terpstra. Hmm. Um, and pretty soon I had this like, you know, pretty complex script for what I'm normally able to produce. I had to run it and get errors and run the errors by chat GPT. So it's like, I still needed to know how the process works. Right. And I needed to be able to read an error enough to know that like, oh, this error is something I should run by chat GPT or this error is just a stupid thing I did and I can fix it myself. And so I started with this like sales tax script. Then I took an old script I had from my journalism days, like a bash script. And it was just something that used this. There's this amazing tool called CSV kit. It's created by Christopher Grosskopf, um, who does a lot of like news nerd programming. And it's just a suite of tools to work with CSV files or without opening an Excel file to convert it to CSV, all this different stuff. And I used to always, when I got a new data set, I always did this like audit using a few of the CSV kit tools that would kind of just give me like, here's like, um, you know, the most common values for each column. Here's it's like everything. It was like a two or three page, like audit report. Right. And, um, and that was written in bash. I did it, wrote it totally using stack overflow. And by the way, one of those questions per our conversation last week turned into one of that dude's weirds videos <laughs> of my stack overflow questions. Um, and what you do is you just, you know, you type an input file, you type an output file and it creates a text file data audit of the, um, of the data you just got super useful, super simple. Even today though, I can't read that bash file. Like if I try to read it, I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck this stuff is. I basically treated stack overflow by chat G like chat GPT and went like line by line. Right. <laughs> and so I was looking at, it, I'm like, you know what, you know what this script doesn't have. And I've never done is one of those things where if I type, you know, the name of the script and then, uh, you know, uh, dash dash help, it tells me, what this thing is and, and what the correct usage is. And so I was like, I don't, I don't really know how to do those things. So I was like, chat GPT, how do you add a help function to your data? I said, well, it turns out you add a help function. 
I was like, cool. What does that look like? And they gave me an example. And I'm like, cool. What would it look like for this script? And I just plugged the whole script in, right? And it gave me text for a help function that is now part of my script. Um, and so that's that's some of how I've been using it. Now, the other way that I've been using it is APIs or something where it's like, I thousand percent understand how an API works, why it exists, what you do when you're calling an API. I mean, I get it. Like conceptually, I totally get it. And I can usually make simple requests just off the documentation because one would hope the documentation was good enough to help you make simple requests. But what I did is I took a list of like 10 APIs that I've used in the past. And I just said, show me a complex API call for the Airtable API. Mm -hmm. Show me a complex call for the Twitter API for the, you know, I just like went down the road and I learned so much by looking at, cause they, it'll show me a complex, um, a complex call. And then it will, it will tell me in plain language what it's doing. And so I was able to do that with a bunch of APIs, which allowed me to kind of tighten up a few API calls I make uh, as part of my workflow. It was just this loving friend. <laughs> and, and the fact that you could yes and that fucking thing to death. I mean, I can continue. I remember one of the things I tend to do is like, if there's an API I want to know a lot about, I'll say, I'll start with show me a complex API. And I'll say, now show me 10 features you didn't show me in the last one, right? And then be like, now show me five features you didn't show me in the last one. Um, and you can just keep going. In it. And I, you know, what's funny is I started to think it was human because when I'm working with someone like Brett, I, there's a point pretty early on where you just feel bad. Like, I'm sorry I'm bugging you with all these remedial fucking questions that right. like are a little bit beyond what I could have Googled, but not too far beyond, right? So I found myself wanting to ask nicely but then i was like that's fucked up and so i just started being really straight like it would have been as a text if this were a text conversation i would i would have way too little affect and everyone would wonder what i meant but with this thing i'm just like yeah now show me five more now show me five more sucker come on motherfucker show me five more i bet you're not done you know like that's essentially what that became my <laughs> my sort of attitude in using chat gpt and the the one thing I regret is that I had I had put a Firefox extension on that allows you to download your different chats and um and as markdown files. Right. And I had been doing that pretty faithfully, but I had built up quite a bit of questions and today uh they've hopefully temporarily uh made it so you cannot see or interact with those previous chats because of the overload that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I'm a little scared cause I, I really got, I've gotten quite good and clean at essentially creating for myself documentation on an API or on a certain, you know, feature or whatever, by asking very specific questions that it allows you to build on it. You know, you can build on previous questions. And so anyway, I have just found and unselfconsciously, I don't care that I can now write scripts that are mostly existent because of chat GPT. That's fine. I knew that I wanted him and I, I know how to think in that way. Uh, hold on. That's my mom calling. Sure. <laughs> I like, I feel, I feel good about myself because I know what it is I need to ask. And that itself is, is half the work. And so I'm just, I'm putting that out to you. It's a beautiful, beautiful new life I'm living. If they can just keep this thing online, which seems to be a struggle right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I know some stuff about that that I can't, talk about uh, in terms of like the, the 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 um the strain that things are under but yes um uh they've said this publicly so so this isn't me uh, sharing anything out of school but uh I, the success of this uh took everyone by surprise because it completely i think surpassed everyone's expectations um, because they didn't realize they were changing society and how it functions well, I no, I I, th I think they did. I think that for a lot Crazy. of people, and this is what uh, Sam Altman uh, mentioned this, and and uh, I think I'm stealing from him. Uh, someone else had mentioned this too. Like the 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 functionality already kind of existed. Like Copilot already did a lot of what you're talking about. And in fact, yes. Copilot Labs, which is a, a, a VS Code extension, which has been out for a few months now, has had a um, which basically does like experimental features, um, which uh, has had a feature like explain 
for a while that'll let you, you know, highlight a block of code and then it'll explain it to you very much like exactly what you were using Copilot for. And, yeah. um, you know, it's had, uh, and, and Hey, GitHub is, is a thing that we announced at GitHub universe, which will also be very similar to, to kind of this thing where you can kind of talk to, to Copilot and, and have it, um, you know, give you responses and whatnot. Um, so a lot of these things were, these models were already kind of available. Granted, uh, you know, Copilot costs money, um, but, you know, these things were possible. The interface was different. And and I think that's what has changed things with this is by making it a chatbot, which is really smart. The interface, yeah. I think, was the, was the perfect thing to kind of go mainstream in a way that I don't think I, I certainly didn't anticipate it taking. I, I knew it would be big and I knew all this stuff would be big. I've been really, really mm -hmm. bullish on AI for the last couple of years, actually largely because of GPT-3 and, and the things that I've seen, um, you know, companies building also things like stable diffusion. Like I, I've, uh, I'm somebody who tends to be skeptical a lot of times, but this has been an area where I've absolutely not been. Um, because like you, when I've played around with it and I've, I've seen the results, I've just gone okay, this is, this is like an iPhone level type of thing, right? This is, this is the sort yeah, of like, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying that they're the same, but I'm just saying like, in my mind, when you think of technological advancements, like this, this feels AI, this, this next generation of, uh, you know, uh, natural language AI feels like an iPhone type of moment. Right. Um, but yeah, I feel does. like chat GPT, which is still very, very primitive, which is what makes it so exciting to me, I think is the, such a great interface for showing what the power of these models are because everything else mm -hmm. has required either, you know, you to know a little bit of something, you know, be, you know, have, have a, a, a code editor and an extension up or, or be using, you know, something like, like Dolly too, which, you know, they give you free credits, but it's also, you know, takes a little bit of time. It feels, it just, it feels different. This, I think just the, the chat nature of it and, and the uh, instantaneous nature of it. And the fact that, like you said, you can get it to do so many different things is really, yeah. really impressive uh, to the point that, yeah, you know, people are now building so many things on top of it. It'll be interesting to see what OpenAI decides to do in terms of, you know, I think that they probably will have always have some sort of free tier, but it'll be interesting to see like how they start to rate limit stuff because you do, you're already seeing businesses starting to basically be like, yeah, we're building off of this, which I think it's fine to do the model, but it's like the compute resources. Uh -huh. Yeah. have a very real cost. Uh, that's the thing that people don't understand enough about um, AI stuff is that, and one of the reasons why, uh, frankly, it's harder to do these things locally. When we talked about um, one of the um, the iOS apps that, that does stable diffusion locally on the iPhone last week, as uh, was my, my uh, a couple of weeks ago, rather, uh, was, was my pick of the week, um, Draw Things, which is a great app. And you can yeah. definitely, if, if you were to you know, m massage things enough, you could get some of those models and sizes that you could run locally, like on your on your local machine. The problem is, is that A, that takes up a lot of resources and time and whatnot, and, and then to update it would take bandwidth, but B, like, it, it just, so it's just not going to be feasible in a lot of situations. But for these things to work, what makes them so magical is that they are doing all this stuff, you know, in the cloud. And, um, and there's, that's a finite resource, and there's like a hard cost to that stuff. So as this stuff grows, that's, uh, I, yeah, I, I think that not just uh, the OpenAI stuff, but any of these services will will start to see them struggle a little bit until people can figure out, you know, how to how to scale them. But but it's super exciting. But I love hearing about this, and I I love that you were using these for these reasons. If you haven't played with Copilot, um, definitely. No, I haven't. I should get there next. You, no, I? you sh you should do it because I think that that would be because it, it it lives in VS Code, but you can also use it with JetBrains and with um, uh, uh, NeoVim, and um, It'll it'll do very similar things um, to what Chat ChatGPT is doing. Uh, in that case, it's more predictive in, in terms of like if you're if you're typing something, it'll kind of autocomplete for you um, yeah. in, in some ways. But you can also have it explain things, and you can even kind of like ask it specifically to do stuff for you like that. So it's got some similarities. Um, like like I said, um, the uh, like the explain feature in the labs. You know, you can highlight a block of code. And then it'll mm -hmm. give you like the real, you know, language reaction is is great. And and hey, GitHub is is going to bring some of that stuff to it too. But um, I love how you're using ChatGPT, awesome. and I love honestly like this is it's it's funny because um, internally, uh, you know, 
we never wanted to, to draw allusions to, to Stack Overflow because we want to be respectful of them and everything. But you're not the first person who's drawn kind of comparisons between things that you have been finding out from, you know, uh, ChatGPT and, yeah. and and using it the same way that many of us have used Stack Overflow and things like that, yeah. Um, yeah. which which is great. But I, I, I really the fact that. A, it's great for Brett not to be bothered as much, but also like you've gotten a lot out of it and you and you've learned. I mean, that's, a lot. Oh, I've learned a ton. That that that's the thing I think that enough people don't talk about when we talk about like AI stuff. We focus on the jobs that will displace. We focus on the plagiarism and the other stuff that it will do, and we we focus on all these negatives, like all these instances where people are not going to have to learn. And there is truth to that. I'm not discounting that at all, but. I also think that there's truth and we don't talk enough about it. Scenarios like yours where you've learned a ton now and you've been able mm-hmm. to do things that you were not doing beforehand, right? It's not like you were right. learning that stuff beforehand. It's it, you were asking, Brett, you were doing other things. It's not like you're really grokking it. Right. So right. the net positive on this a is that stuff is done faster and, and better. And you've got things that are going to be working the way you want to, but also like you've learned a lot too, you know, and, totally. and, and it have it sounds like I have a much better comprehension of what you've actually done than before. You know when you were just putting together you know these, these complicated bash scripts that you're like I know it works but I don't know what it says. Yeah, in fact, I I have to. I was like, oh, I should finally write comments for this bash script, and I'll go through each thing here in ChatGPT so I understand it, and then I'll see if I feel like I can put my own words to it. I mean, there, there's certainly like I certainly have instances where I would, you know, I would pause before mm-hmm. using what was there. And I'm always testing it. I mean, I'm not asking it to do something where the output is something really critical, you know? Right. Well, that's um, the thing, right? Yeah. It, yeah. Sometimes it'll work. Sometimes it won't. And sometimes the explanations, the only tricky thing is the explanations are so accurate sounding. They can sometimes be wrong, yeah. but I think that yeah, for most right. of what you're doing, I don't think that's a problem at all. So yeah, what I'm essentially doing is, okay, chat GPT said I should do this. Let's go over here and test it. No, that's not working. Let's go back to ChatGPT. You know, like the the real thrill is it it gives you code that produces an error. You give it the error and then it gets it right. It's like it's almost like that is why it's like having someone next to you, right? Or it's just like exactly. a person, not a not a bot. And I definitely am am cautious of like the like white male uh, threat of like that you sound awful confident this must be true <laughs> well but, but it's been designed in a way that it is and it, it, it it's yeah. kind of a, it, it's kind of fun in some ways right because it does sound like just completely like likewise I, I found with most programming stuff at least at the level that i'm doing things at and i'm doing things at a very similar level that you're doing things at I think that it's, it's fairly reliable. And again, you test things, not running things in production it's before been, you know things have been tested and whatnot. But there there have been some circumstances where where it's been wrong. But at least from my, th- this is anecdotal, but from my experiences, it's a lot more accurate in terms of like explaining code blocks and whatnot than it is uh, in terms of like because it can sound just as accurate explaining you know like uh, Nietzsche. Or, or Kafka, right? Yeah, yeah right, right, like, right, right, like, right, right. Where it can also sound very, very uh, big, but it's it's yes. um, it, it's it's funny. Uh, Joanna Stern from Wall um, Street Journal did a great video where she used ChatGPT to write um, to try to see if she could use it to pass AP English, and so she went <laughs> to an AP, an AP English class in New York City, and she used it to write an essay. And she asked the the, the, the teacher, she was like you know, would you have caught that this was an AI? And he said, no, uh, he's like, I gotta be honest with you, I probably wouldn't have. Now he did mark it down. He gave her like a three, you know, which is a passing grade. It's like, you know, like a, like, like, like a, like a B or a C. Um, and it, 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 cause he was wanting to, uh, the, the problem was actually really great. It's one that I wish I would have had in high school, which was comparing Ferris Thursday off, uh, with the metamorphosis and, and, and talking <laughs> about like existentialism and, and, um, uh, uh, uh Thursday off, which I, Actually, again, I I would have loved that. That's awesome in AP English, like that would have been like my dream because that's one of my favorite movies ever, and and I and I love so it. Good. Um, but the the essay that the the AI wrote confused the characters of Cameron and Ferris a few times and got some other inaccuracies. Mm. Um, yeah. and so and and those are things that are that are going to happen, right? But like the bulk of it, you know, like he was like, yeah, I, I probably I I wouldn't have this wouldn't have flagged to me that this was an AI, um, which is you know, concerning to a certain extent, although I think it should also be maybe reaffirming that it's like, okay, even though 
this would not have been caught by a plagiarism detector at least yet. And even though this is something that, um, like, uh, what was I going to say? So even though obviously people could use this to cheat or whatnot and, and plagiarism detectors didn't catch it, it's still, it, it might've given a passing grade, but it, it still wasn't like a good essay, right? Like, it's not like yeah. somebody's going to write, like, like to me, I, I care much less about if somebody's good look, cause if somebody's going to use, people cheat. If they're going to use a tool like that to cheat, they're going to cheat, right? I think I'd be much more concerned if people were being able to create like Pulitzer-worthy work. You know what I mean? Right, right. That, right. that would be much more concerning <laughs> to me than, than, yeah. than if like, okay, you're giving an essay that's grammatically correct and that has some decent sentence structure, but has factual errors and some other things, right? That, that, that a human being who didn't research, like that a kid who frankly didn't watch the movie or read the book, mistakes they right. might have made, right? Which let's be honest, that's a very common scenario anyway. So I, some, some sure. of the, some of, some of the, uh, like furor over that, I, I think is completely overblown. Cause I'm like, you're making a lot of yeah. assumptions about high schoolers that I, I remember very distinctly being a high schooler and a college student. And you know, the, the shortcuts kids take, like, don't, yeah. don't underestimate that. You know, so yeah, like this, there's this, this is shortcuts. only this, this is this is only one tool, right? This is just like the next generation of these things. This isn't going to fundamentally make, you know, yes, it'll make a, a passing essay potentially, but it's not like it's going to make a great essay. You know, it's not like somebody's right. going to get, right. you're getting straight A's out of this, right? Totally. Man, you know what it does do that's wonderful is cut out the cruft, the design, the everything of websites um, that deliver us information. It's all gone and reduced to a simple sort of chat, um, template. And my real hope is that this destroys the mom blog recipe blogs forever Yes, <laughs> because like I, I had to roast a chicken the other day and I was like, give me a simple roast chicken recipe. I knew exactly what I was looking for, which was just olive oil, salt, and pepper, but I just needed someone to say it real quick and succinctly. And man, it gave it right over to me. I didn't have to deal with any oh, interstitials. So See, <laughs> you know? okay. So, okay. So my hope then is what this can do is that this can now be the way that uh, the different digital assistants source things like recipes. You know what I mean? So when you say, hey, hey, Siri, hey, Alexa, yes. whatever, like read me a recipe, it won't be the whole preamble that happens on those things. Yes. Like, honestly, yes. that should be OpenAI's next partnership. Just be like, yes, we will provide the the, the, the data for these voice assistants for these Love things. It. I found this on the web for Alexa, whatever, like, read me or- Shut <laughs> up, Siri. God damn. <laughs> what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, uh, you wanted to talk about SEO. So that's actually, like, this is a good segue. Yeah, it sure is. Um, well, it's funny. I I haven't had to deal with SEO in many years since I, I was an editor of the website for this magazine, Nutney Reader, and the ownership was really big on maximizing our SEO and would often send us little bits from Danny Sullivan um, yep. and, and other giants of the field of SEO, <laughs> search engine optimization. And so the idea, of course, being like, you use certain keywords in, in the right places and, and it will get picked up and, and maybe put in front of people uh, uh, in Google results or other results. Um, and it got so bad in the 2010s, in my experience, that you were not only asked to create, but you were seeing everywhere content that was so mm -hmm. obvious, like headlines that just made no sense what practically. What time the Super Bowl start? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You Question remember that blogs. one? That was one of those... That, no, that was yes. one of the most famous ones. If you remember that, that there was a watch, there was a Huffington Post um, article that I know the guy who who did it, and he it was it was an unexpected thing. It was like, what time does the Super Bowl start? And it became like one of HuffPost's like biggest stories ever, and then sort of ruined and changed a whole genre of of, of, of headline writing for wow. uh, and type of news writing for for a while. But yeah, yeah, and it was like it, as I remember, this is what I remember were the were the elements. There was your title itself. Uh, keywords that were in the title. There were keywords that were used in the first, what, paragraph or a couple paragraphs. And then there were keywords that were linked that had like hyperlinks over them. And then in the HTML, you could actually put keywords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it's changed a little bit. You can still do some of that, but there's like metadata 
stuff. So there are tools, like depending on what platform you're using, like if you're using WordPress, um, there are a number of different plugins, you know, for SEO on that. Um, some of the other platforms have their own kind of SEO tools that are built in. Some of them that do things, I think, kind of holistically and some that do things otherwise. But it is still one of those things where, from what I understand, you know, talking with people who deal with this stuff and whatnot, like there is a certain amount of like keyword stuffing, not just in like the the tags and whatnot, but then also in the copy, right? So I think the yeah. the biggest negative for SEO for me is that you can read articles and you can totally tell that they were written in such a way to rank highly in, in Google. Not not dissimilar to the recipe blogs, right? Where they do the whole preamble yeah. because they don't just want, you know, people to they want people to stay on the site. And they're also maybe trying yep. to stop the, the 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 Google snippets. Um, but uh, you know, so you have to read the whole life story before you can learn how to make the apple pie. I'm like, I don't fucking care. Just give me the recipe. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, you know, but there's, it changed, like there became this very specific, like keyword laden, like writing style where, you know, you, you see the full name of the product mentioned like six times is the reason I really like saying, you know, (laughs) country fresh butter is because it does this. Why not country fresh butter? I'm like, Oh my God, I, I get it. You, you want to rank highly on this term. Fresh butter. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's how I think that's how I remember everything is just the stuffing of keywords. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of poisoned my my sense of what SEO is because I mean SEO itself is fantastic, right? The idea is I mean the the idea behind it is fantastic. How can we make sure that content that wouldn't otherwise be in front of you gets in front of you? It's kind of how I thought of it. Um and I and I bring this up as a topic because a friend of mine, uh Danny Glamour, uh guest a couple of episodes ago not just friend of the show, former guest. Um, he has a music blog and he was, he was asking me about SEO and, you know, should I go over to Squarespace or, or WordPress? And, and I didn't know what to say because I wasn't sure what was true anymore about SEO, but it's certainly true that it still matters. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> no, it definitely still matters. And, and I, I think that like um, where you'd want to go would sort of depend I, I I would focus primarily on like what is the most comfortable thing for him. He has more options, I think, to do better in SEO with WordPress, although a lot of those plugins cost money and want to do upsells. So it would depend on how much he would want to invest mm-hmm. in things. And, and I don't know like how useful that would be. Squarespace, I think, does a, a decent job. Substack does not do a great job, although they've gotten better. But that's been actually something that a number of people who use them I've talked to like I think they've improved actually actually I want to I want to uh, give that a caveat a year ago they did not do well I think they've had to invest a lot in getting better at it probably because a lot of their writers and people were like hey I'm not ranking and my blog used to you know rank fairly well um because there, yeah. there are things that you know you can do with your platform to to make it rank better and worse WordPress the way it's designed you know I think um because it's so ubiquitous it's what like like 45 percent of the web or something you know, has yeah. some built-in tools that are good. And then there are plugins. Like I know there's like uh, Yoast SEO and some other, you know, uh, tools that, that that are free, but again, have like, you know, they, they want to, they want you to pay. Um, I, I don't know how necessary that is, but those will, will do a decent enough job of helping with that, at least walking you through it. It matters, but I, I don't know like how much the platform he chooses specifically like if that's going to be like uh, a defining factor one way or another, like uh, to me, it'd be a much bigger deal. Like what's the writing platform you find more comfortable writing in to me, it would be a much bigger sure. choice. But it seems like music is sort of a, is a good one for SEO because you're just, you're going to say a band's name. You're yep. going to say one or two of their albums names and just that alone. And it's going to be in the headline. It's going to be in the probably. headline. And, um, and, it, and if you yeah. have other things with your tags, you know, if you review or preview or this and that, like it, it can rank pretty right. well. There are also things you can do in terms of like, if you can get it in like, and, and the, the news results and things like that don't matter as much anymore because Google has changed so much of how they show things. But um, yeah. uh, like uh, the biggest difference, I, th- I think the biggest impact on SEO over the last decade compared to the last decade is just if you look at what the Google search results page is now versus 10 years ago, it's incredibly different. Like if mm. I if I search, um, uh, give, give me a band name. Oh, God. OK. Dillinger 4. OK. So when I now when I search Dillinger 4, the first like big part of the page is I see photos of the band. I see the Wikipedia page, I see their Facebook. Then I actually see an angel fire website. Then below that I see, (laughs) I I see videos. I see a whole video block. Then I see a block of people also ask. Then I see the Spotify. Then I see the band camp. 
And, and then I'm starting to get into related searches and stuff. And so, and then on the sidebar, I see songs and I see some other things. So there are, and, and because it's a band, like they have an albums tab and, and songs and events and members and videos. So like right. the biggest yeah. change I think for, for, for content creators isn't so much even like, okay, like how, how do I stuff the keywords and rank? It's that the, the whole way that Google is laid out is very, very different than it was a decade ago. Yes. And so you're yes. now competing with a lot of stuff that Google does, which is very different than, um, you know, otherwise. But if I go to news, for instance, and this is what's interesting, and I don't know how many people use this tag, then I see Louder Than War, I see The Aquarian, I see Brooklyn Vegan, which are all no echo. Mm-hmm. These are all music blogs, right? And and these are all things, yep. you know, that, that come up, you know, um, in, in, in various, I see Mansfield News Journal, you know, I see various these are all, a lot of these are the things that would have come up in a exactly. Google result. Uh, right. Before. But now, now, yeah. now you've got okay. to kind of go to that tab. So those things still matter if you're wanting to, you know, people are wanting to look for the latest news and are trained to do that. But the, the, the basic things like, you know, the official, like the main Google page at this point to get to your results, like the entire first yeah. page, like the entire first block is, you know, I see there the stuff like, you know, goes videos people also ask for, it's got the sidebar, like you're having to scroll quite a bit. Um, before you even get to that point. So that's, that's, I think that, that will be a much bigger challenge than I think like what keywords you use or what platform you're on. Well, and the other thing that's up there now is that little box it's after. So you have the Dillinger four Wikipedia mm-hmm. page, you have their angel fire. Site. Which is amazing. <laughs> and then, and then you have people also search for, and yep. it tells you Dillinger four merch, Dillinger four new album. In the past, that was kind of what it was like to do keyword research, right? You'd just be like, yep. what do people search for when they search Dillinger four? And now it's like right in front right. of you. Like where, where's they from? You know, what, what genre are they and whatnot? Right. It is interesting though. And, and, and I think this, this is interesting. And, and I, I assume it's the band who would have to do this, but like, it's interesting to me that, you know, you have to basically scroll down. And, and at this point too, now Google doesn't even have like pages standard. It's just kind of an infinite scroll. Interesting, man. I, you know, what's funny is even though I see Google every day and have since 10 years ago, it didn't occur to me from the, from a content creator's perspective how different yeah it and it will it would because it's happened subtly and then it's, it's like everything like it happened suddenly and then all at once like s- slowly and then all at once that, that that's the the phrase and and that's what's kind of happened <laughs> at least from my experiences with google is that i've noticed these changes over the years and they've been kind of small things and then when i really started to kind of take stuff in i go oh wow yeah this is a completely different search experience than what i used to have and, and, yeah. um, and I think a worse one, to be honest, like at this mm-hmm. oh, it's it is at this point, I, I append Reddit to most of my searches because, because yeah. honestly, I can usually get better, more updated information on stuff. And, and ironically, like Reddit's search is not super great. Um, and, and right. so it's, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting the Google search is still like the thing that powers them as a company and that it is degraded in my opinion so much over the last decade, but especially over the last like five or six years. Um, even though it, and you want, I, I always wonder about like the product teams and the engineering team. Well, the product teams, and engineering teams aren't concerned with this, but the, the product teams, like if their focus has been solely like on money and on other things and not, they're clearly not focused on the experience. Because if they were, then, yeah. then I don't think that they would uh, have things uh, as cluttered and, and whatnot. But it is interesting. It's like you, you can see them trying to kind of monopolize the experience, whereas like Google used yes. to not be that way, where now it's almost like, you know, they really want like to monopolize the experience as much as possible. So unless you're you're looking mm-hmm. for something very specific, you know, you're not going to be getting maybe more organic results. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Okay. Uh, before we do yes. gratitude, I have a Twitter yes. question for you. Um, as you are, a, a, a um, dedicated Twitter user mm-hmm. over time, you said that you had a little bit of a break, um, when you were traveling. Uh, but I'm curious how for you, how post Elon Twitter is as an experience for you? Have you have you noticed people disappearing, or is it basically how it feels? No, it's, it's different. Yeah, it it it's worse. Um, like I haven't had like the you know uh, 
the more negative kind of experiences went up. But I've noticed a lot of my friends, people who you don't think about it a lot, but you're like, oh, I haven't seen so-and-so. And you're like, oh, they're on Mastodon now. It's like, okay, all right. Well, you know, I, I got to yeah. go into that. And and Mastodon is just, I just don't like it. Um, I, I like what it stands for. I just, yeah. I just don't like yeah. the interface. And, and I, I find it hard to kind of, you know, deal with all the various things, but you miss out on stuff. Um, I've also noticed like one of the big changes because they fired like all the staff, like a lot of the curation and things like that, that used to happen is, uh, not really there, um, anymore. Um, I definitely, the ads are worse. Um, it's, yeah. uh, it, it and, and everybody's meaner everybody's mad like whether they like Elon or not like it just seems like it went from a place where everybody was sort of pissed off but but kind of hiding it to now it's like almost feels actively antagonistic at times which is really a shame yeah yeah it sucks. it sucks it sucks to see I think what what was my very favorite social network really just devolve in, in a lot of ways and and but I I don't I haven't found another home I mean I need to I need to invest more time in Mastodon I get that it's just it's hard for me to kind of live both places and and you know figuring out what instances you want to be on things you see because one of my favorite things is being able to see stuff organically which you don't see the same yeah. way with um, Mastodon because of because of its decentralized nature which I get I get it but it's just not um i like sometimes i think we needed a centralized thing but like right i was yeah, i mean no. go ahead well i i was on twitter this morning and uh this uh, a nurse had posted and just said all right let's create a thread about all the all the experiences we've had to have in hallways in our hospitals in the last year and it was this long thread of nurses um, chiming in, and it was incredibly illuminating. It was an instant access into a community that is very hard to have access to, especially in ways that are sort of open and comfortable and talking about their experiences. And I was like, God damn it, that's what Twitter is. <laughs> and I don't know how easy it will be for that to be possible on Mastodon. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be. And that and that that I think is the, is to me is the problem. And look, that's sort of by design and that's okay, but that's also I think uh, to the people who are really big fans of Mastodon, I think you have to concede that that is uh, an ultimate, you know, like that is a trade-off. Like it it it, it is a trade-off. Yeah. Um and and there's no way to get around that. But there are a lot of people who I think don't want to acknowledge that there's any trade-off with Mastodon at all. And it's like no, but there is because you have to choose your instances and you you have a difference of who can see what. And that's great. You have that privacy, but it also means. Sure. It's wonderful. It is, in its own but, way. It, but it's yeah. a very different experience. And, and for people who use things, you know, like, like, like way, a lot of people, a lot of communities have used Twitter. I, I, I there, there isn't a replacement and that's a shame. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I'm still on Twitter, but I'm just, it, it's a, a worse experience. And uh, yeah. 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 I'm late. I'm late to the game saying I'm sad to see it go, but um, it does seem like it's going. Yeah, same. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. There was a part of me. I'm not I'm a Twitter reader quite a bit. Used to tweet a lot. Do not in a long time. But I was kind of like, I think everybody's going to come back because <laughs> like that's yeah. it, it always happens. It does. You know, nothing as big as this. Right. But. Well, I mean, people usually do, but it's, it, I don't know. The only thing that bothers me is that there's been a tonal shift. Like there's been just a, a, a tonal shift in, in, in the rigor. And so I, people will i don't think that Masson takes off again this was always my fear was not that like my my biggest fear is kind of coming true which is like you don't want to see it just kind of slowly like devolve into something shittier because i think that rather than a lot of people migrating yeah. to something else you would have people just opt out or or go to more siloed places go to discords go to go to reddits go to you know signal groups um rather than going to one platform people are just going to you know, uh, dissipate. And, and that is, is a problem. Do yeah. I think a lot of people will come back? Yeah, I do. But I also think there are a lot of people who were casual users and the casual users I don't think are coming back. Like at one point, Elon yeah. had said that he'd wanted to bring the celebrities back. And I was like, that ship has sailed years ago. Like, like the Trump era, they yeah. were, they were not going to be there. Like when the Leslie Jones stuff happened, like they were kind of gone, like, you know what I mean? Like, because it was, it was proving when, when things were yeah. toxic in that era, if, if I were, um, you know, a, a, if I were managing a celebrity's career, I don't know if I would be in, 
right now, I certainly would not be telling them they need to have a Twitter account. I'd say you need a TikTok, you need an Instagram, um, you you might need mm-hmm. a YouTube channel. Uh, I, I don't know if you need a Twitter. And if you do, it could probably be run by someone else, right? Whereas part right. of the power of Twitter and, and what sustained it for a really long time was that these important, these culturally significant people or not culture, and if not culturally significant, then like people that were, were, were deemed important, you know, like, like, uh, journalists, celebrities, you know, newsmakers, whatnot, were on it and were actually engaging as themselves. That was always the power of it. Yeah. Right. That was always the power of that it. That was amazing. And, 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 yeah. and, and that's the thing that like Facebook never really had that right. When they did pages, it always felt corporatized Whereas Twitter was always like, mm-hmm. it is the real person. Right. But a lot of the celebrities like left Twitter. And, 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 you know, Instagram really did step in for a long time and kind of took on the mantle, but now it's even more so. And Instagram, you don't have to have that one-on-one thing. Like you can reply to comments and you can DM people, but it's not the same thing. You can't repost. I mean, they've talked Mm -hmm. about this thing. It's a different experience. It is much more of a one-to-many thing. Whereas like Twitter, I think was really unique in that you could truly kind of have a back and forth with people and you would see people get addicted to it in a different way, right? Like you would see people yeah, right. really actively use Twitter in a way that you don't actively use some of the other things. And I, I just, uh, it, it's a shame to see, I mean, there, it, it's been on the decline for a while, but if, if the goal was to bring right. the the famous people back, that certainly, I don't think it's going to happen. And, and if anything, <laughs> I think the other casual users are, are probably gone too. And that's, that's to me probably the, the biggest challenge. Yeah. That's a drag. All right. Well, it's gratitude time. It is gratitude time. And our gratitudes, I believe, are on a theme. Uh, on a theme of PACER. Yes. The federal court's document access system, uh, which is clunky as shit. It's like built with sticks and stones and, uh, and, and trying CGI, to get documents and CGI out of it. scripts, Perl scripts. I'm not even joking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, good yeah. stuff. You know, it's a museum. They're trying to honor our roots, the roots of the web, you know, and in that case, that's just, that's wonderful. Um, I interface with Pacer as a journalist and as a researcher, um, usually going in to find a specific case back in the day, I might uh, filter so that I could just, you know, if I was, if that was my beat on the courts or something, I would just kind of watch what came in. Um, In fact, there were, there were Pacer computers at the um at the government center downtown uh when i never worked for a place that could pay for pacer so i'll go down there and you could use oh, the computer nice. for free okay because because um, i i always yeah. like had to expense my stuff and you know like you get like because uh for for listeners who don't know everybody gets i think you get like 25 dollars a quarter or something um uh, we, yep. it, it, because each search costs money and each page is 10 cents a page and yep, each page and, is and, 10 and cents. there there is a document limit i think on like how much they can charge you but there's not like a limit on on you know like uh, per case or anything so you could spend and i have spent i'm sure you have like hundreds of dollars on yeah. on individual yes, cases and researches easily. like it, it's very yeah. expensive um and and everybody has to yep. pay this like a lot of this is uh, there's been a whole movement to um try to like make pacer free it was even part of this the um um, ombudsman bill or whatever obviously it did not go through and we knew it would not um because the filing fees because what's dumb about it to me is it's like um and actually i just logged into it for the first time the the website's been updated recently it looks good um Mm, yeah they've but but some of the individual courts are still awful most of them Mm -hmm. a lot of them but some of them really bad and not everything is on pacer like you have the federal courts but then you have to go through similar but unrelated systems like uh if i wanted to go to like the the seattle like uh court systems like it it the whole thing is a nightmare but yeah, yeah but um but it costs money and you know for um it, it's also expensive for um lawyers so for people who are doing um pro bono work or who are um you know public defenders like there's a very real cost to getting all the documents uh related to a case um you know for their clients yeah. Sorry, go on. Right. No, that's, I mean, that's, that's, it's a huge pain in the ass. And I, I have been using a service for a while, which is my graptitude called Pacer Pro, which is not related to Pacer, um, that at least makes the navigation of Pacer painless. 
um, you're still paying uh, as you download things. In fact, they make it easier to spend a lot of money because <laughs> they they have a great they have a great bulk download nice. feature. You know, if you're just like give me all this stuff, which is how I like to do it. Um, and they have a kind of watch your cases feature that's really nice. I get an email every time there's an update in certain cases I care about. Um, you know, there's a fee to use it above and beyond Pacer mm-hmm. itself, but it's um, but it's. I mean, when I first saw Pacer Pro, I was like, oh my god, thank you Jesus, and uh, and I love it. And so if anybody out there does um, any kind of research using cases, uh, I, I highly recommend you go through Pacer. Pro, it's really made for. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I'm looking. You can, you can submit. For, yeah, no, exactly. No, know. I was looking at it, and, and it's smart, <laughs> right? And they, and, and they, they charge. Uh, it looks like thirty dollars per seat um, a month if you're one to four, and it's lower as you go up. And so I can imagine, like, if I were, yep. like, because you're already, because you have to imagine if you're. A, even a mid-sized law firm, your pacer fees are already exorbitant a month. Your time is worth whatever, you know, the, 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 the fees would be, um, for giving you a better interface totally. because the, they, they've modernized it a little bit. Um, it's better than it used to be, but it's still really hard to find things. And then the, the problem is, as you said, you can do the bulk download, which is good, but the problem is, uh, at least this is what I've run into. Um, and I don't have as much experience as you do, but I've, I've spent a lot of time with Pacer over the years and I've spent a lot yeah. of money on things by doing bad searches or, or, or by totally. searching the wrong frame and whatnot, because again, it costs money to do. And, 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 and yep. you don't think about it, like in a kind of our Google era, you're not thinking, oh, 10 cents at a time. It's like, no. Okay. And now I've opened up this file and I realized that I've downloaded this document and it turns out that it was just like, you know, some sort of something inconsequential to the case. Okay. Well that, that just yeah. you know, was, was a few dollars. And, um, so having ways around that, I think is probably really, really good. Um, and, um, I, I, I love this. Um, it, I'm, it, it's, in, it, it's, it's interesting to me that there haven't been more companies who've done this, but I, I think this is really smart of them. I'm assuming they've just probably, you know, they basically were like, Pacer is broken. We're just going to fix it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they can even, you can actually have them send you a PDF. Like if a, if a document is just yep. been filed, the second See, it's that on I love. Pacer, it'll send I used to, it to I used you. To use, I used it's to use a like... tool called Pacer Watcher, or I think that's what it was called. Oh. And, and, it, and it stopped working at, at a certain point, but I used to do that where I used to monitor certain cases because in journalism, it's very important to oftentimes get access to those things as soon as they go up, especially if you're competing with a lot of other people on a story, but also it can just be useful just to have right. in general. And, and Pacer does not have a way. I think if you're a lawyer, you, uh, if you're a party to the case, you would get notified, but otherwise like you don't. And so, um, you, they have to be all these third party, like, you know, alert systems that, that, that work. Um, so that's awesome that Pacer yeah. Pro does that because that's a, that right there would be worth the money if you're somebody who's following a lot of cases, especially totally. an active case, right? Like that, that's definitely yeah. one of those yeah. things. Um, I also, I also see now that, uh, if nonprofits and academics can maybe get comp. Yeah, I just saw that. I was, so I was looking I'll at that. I was like, Ooh, shot. you should, you should reach out to them about that. <laughs> um, but What's your so, pacer? Uh, my, my pick, uh, so, so Pacer Pro is your pick. My pick, speaking of Pacer. There is um, a uh, Chrome extension called Recap, which is um, Pacer spelled backwards. And um, it is from the, um, what is it called? It's it's from the uh, Freedom, uh, it's from the Free Law Project, um, I I believe. um, Let me, who who is it from? Let me spew the actual edit. Okay, so this is this is from the Free Law Project, which is a 5013C um, nonprofit, and um, it's a service basically known as Court Listener. So if you go to courtlistener.com slash recap, uh, you can go there. There's also a, a, a Chrome extension, uh, which is really, really good. And what this does is it lets you search millions of, of um, uh, different cases by name, and, and you can find, it'll basically give you the whole docket of a case, and then what it'll do is that it has this thing called their recap archive, where if somebody has uh, downloaded it before and has uploaded it to their service, then you can go ahead and access the document. So for a lot of bigger cases, you can have access to to everything. And so what's nice about the uh, the extension is that it automates the process that when you download a file from Pacer, 
it will automatically upload it to the the recap archive. And so you're kind of helping everyone. So it's one of those things where, you know, like in my opinion, awesome. all this stuff should be free um, or at least be much more subsidized yeah. than it is. Like I, I real I'm not I'm not saying that there's not a cost to, to some of this stuff. And so if you want to charge a quarterly one-off fee of $25, like I would be fine with that. But I think that that the 10 cents a page stuff, I mean it's it's absolutely um it, it's absolutely unreal like how much money they're they're getting out of out of this stuff and and it's uh, especially for how bad the, the software is so um what's what's great about the the um, extension is that it basically will um help you um continue to help other people get access to stuff and um uh, you know upload past things because 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 uh, yeah. i make a point anytime i'm, I'm looking stuff up because a lot of at this point most the reason i'm um looking at things is uh for like just pure like nosiness or or interest or like personal research it's not like i'm i'm doing things for journalism but even when i was in journalism you know it's like okay if i'm going through this then i want somebody else to be able to do this too uh the the uh the extension is also available um for firefox and um so i, I think that uh and, and it's on github which is great um so i i think that this is really really good just to be able to kind of get back and use court listener um to uh get access obviously not every case is going to be there but more high profile cases usually are and so you know search there first like before you pay for pacer uh to download something like search court listener to see if they've got it because in many cases they do and their archive has an api for me to plug into chat gpt oh shit that's badass <laughs> That's great. They yeah, I knew they had an API, but yeah, that. I hadn't even thought about that. That's really awesome. Yeah, they have an API, which which could be good for a lot of reasons, right? So, um, anyway, awesome. so, so uh, also support the the free law project. They're they're really good. Yes, that's awesome. Awesome, that's our gratitude. You know, we got carried away talking about resolutions, and I just want to mention Brett won't be with us this week. <laughs> that's right. We didn't even we, <laughs> did, we didn't we worth. didn't even like. Like, like mention that. Yeah, this is just a, a, a Christina and Jeff show. Cool. Mm -hmm. Morning drive time. Um, all right. Good to see you. Good seeing you too. Uh, when the time is appropriate, get some yes, sleep. Yes, get some sleep, Jeff. Thank you. The system is going down low.